0: Welcome to Working the Word with Jonathan Force. Join us now for a service already in progress at Lakewood Church of God. Touch your neighbor and say, focus on good things. Now we're in this series, we're in this family series, and and we've talked about a lot of things. And today I want to talk to you about establishing generational mindsets. And I want to specifically, specifically talk about establishing the mindset to focus on good things. Because we become the sum total of, of what we focus on, don't we? So it's very important for us to do that. Our springboard scripture will actually be Nahum chapter 1 and verse number 7, where it says, The Lord is good, a refuge in the times of trouble... He cares for those who trust in Him. What is the first four words there? Come on, say it with me. The Lord is good. High five your neighbor and say, God is good. good. He's a good God. The Lord is good. He's a good God. He's a good God. Some people like to preach that He's a God of judgment and He's a God of anger and He's a God of wrath. And, you know, there's a side of God where He doesn't tolerate things, but the Bible says the Lord is good and then He is also a refuge in the times of trouble and He cares for those who trust in Him. So we know that God is a good God. Now... The Bible says in Exodus chapter 33 and verse number 19, this is Moses, actually verse number 18, uh, Moses is talking to the Lord and he said, I beseech thee, show me thy glory. And the Lord said, I will make all my goodness pass before thee and I will proclaim the name of the Lord before thee and will be gracious to whom I will be gracious and will show mercy on whom I will show mercy. So Moses was praying. Now we talked last week about the glory of God. How many of you remember that? We talked last week about the glory of God, the ambience of God, the presence of God, the heaviness of God's goodness, the heaviness of God's glory. Moses prayed and he said, God, I want to see your glory. And God's response was, I'll have my goodness pass before you, I'll cause my goodness to pass before you. Now go to Numbers chapter 10 and verse number 32. I want to get this established here this morning. Numbers chapter 10. Numbers chapter 10 and verse number 32. Here's what the Bible said. And it shall be, if you go with us, yea, it shall be that what goodness the Lord shall do unto us, the same will we do unto unto thee the same will we do unto thee so not only do we see that God is a good God not only do we see that God's goodness passed before Moses but in Numbers chapter 10 and verse number 32 there was an expectation of the goodness of God among the children of Israel and they had a heart to share that goodness now they were talking to Hobab the Kenite or Midianite he was the chief of the Arab tribe that Moses wife Zipporah was a part of in this particular passage of Scripture but the point that I really want to make here is this there was an expectation in the minds of the children of Israel that God was going to do them good and not only was there an expectation that God was going to do them good they were saying when not if but when God does us good, we're going to share it with you. Isn't that amazing? I call this increase by association. Increase by association. How many ever heard guilty by association? Then how come there can't be increase by association? How come there can't be goodness by association? How come there can't be joy by association? How come there can't be peace by association? Forgiveness by association? Increase by association. Come on, tell somebody, increase by association. Say association. Why do we say association? So you won't forget it. Increase by association. And so we have to have an expectation of the goodness of God. If you want God's blessing upon your life, if you want God's favor upon your life, if you want the abundance that God's Word says that we can have, we have to start expecting it. When we pray for people, we expect them to get healed. When we pray for people to receive a financial blessing, we expect them to have that financial blessing. When we pray for people to be for the spirit of depression to lift off of them, we expect them to live in peace. It's an expectation by the, because of the association that we have with the Lord Jesus Christ. The second thing I want to talk to you about, focusing on the good. Not only do we understand that God is a good God, but the second thing that we need to do is make a conscious effort to think on good things. Listen, if you're having a poor day, part of that responsibility is on you. Because the Bible tells us right here, finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, somebody shout, true. Whatsoever things are honest, shout honest. Honest. Whatsoever things are just, come on, just whatsoever things are pure, pure. whatsoever things are whatsoever things are of. If there be any virtue, that word means power or empowerment. And if there be any praise, think on these things. What do we think on? Things that are true, things that are honest, things that are just, things that are pure things that are lovely, and things that are of a good report. Every morning, some of you should take this Scripture and you should just print it out and hang it all up over your house for about a month. I mean, put it on the refrigerator because God knows all, all of us go to the refrigerator. So put it on the refrigerator. Put it on your bathroom mirror so it's the first thing that you see when you get up in the morning. Put it on your bathroom mirror Put it on the doors of your house. So when you open your bedroom door, you've got, you got to go past that scripture. When you're coming out, you've got to go past that scripture. And see if this won't start reconditioning your mind. Listen, it doesn't take a whole lot of sense to just go with the flow. Just about anybody can go with the flow. You know, just about anybody can just jump on whatever wagon comes along. And let me tell you something. There's all kinds of wagons coming along. There's wagons of discouragement. There's wagons of poor me. There's wagons of depression. All these kinds It's very easy to jump on those wagons. What's more difficult but more profitable is to say, I think I'll just let that wagon go on by. And if I've got to build my own wagon of truth and honesty and just and pure and lovely and good report and these types of things, then that's what I'll do. Listen, what you allow in your life, the kind of things that you allow in your life, the kind of thought press processes that, allow, that you allow in your life will shape your life. It'll shape your life. So the Bible says if there's any virtue and if there's any praise, think on these things. Not Pastor Jonathan's words, God's words. God's words. Okay, so think on good things. What I focus on shapes my life. Touch your neighbor. I've said that three or four times. (coughs) Repetition is the key to learning. That's why I keep saying it. Come on, touch your neighbor and say, what you focus on will change your life. (laughs) It'll shape your life. It'll shape your life. You don't believe me? Focus on cheesecake for a while. It'll shape your life. Chocolate-covered, cherry-covered cheesecake. Hallelujah. Guess what we're going to have later today. Cherry-covered cheesecake shapes your life. What you focus on will shape your life. Now, in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 4, 5, 6, and 7, the Bible talks about thinking and modeling positivity. Not positively, but positivity. Positivity, okay? Here's what the Scripture says. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Verse number 5 tells you what those strongholds can be. Casting down imaginations. Imaginations are one of the biggest strongholds that you will ever face in your life. Imaginations are. Imaginations. Casting down imaginations. And the next one is an every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. And then it goes on and says, And bringing into captivity every thought. Every thought. Not just every word, but every thought to the obedience of Christ. Here's what the Bible says. The Bible says that a man lusts in his heart when he looks on a woman to lust after her. Here's what I tell my son. Sometimes Donna gets after me she's probably maybe going to get after me in the car when we're traveling today. But here's what I tell my son. I said, God wired us to notice a beautiful woman when she walks by. Here's what you do. You got good job, God. Okay? That's what you do. Okay? And then you put the wall up and say, I let my mind go past that. It's not the first look that gets you in trouble. That first look is like, good job, God. That second look is like, hmm. Yeah, come to Papa. And just in case anyone's wondering, I'm staring at that lizard thing on the wall over there, okay? <laughs> it's that it's that second look. A man is entrapped. When he looks at a woman to lust after her. So when the Bible says bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ, that means when your thought process or your thought life starts to wander where it doesn't belong, then you grab those thoughts and you pull them back and you say, I don't think so, buddy. I don't think so. No, sir. I'm casting down Imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. And I'm bringing into captivity every single thought to the obedience of Christ. Now, here's what the Bible says in verse number 7. One scripture below that, verse number 6 and then verse number 7, the Bible said that we are not to focus on things after the outward appearance, but God looks on the inner part of our heart. And so we're not supposed to draw our judgments based on the outward appearance of people, but we are to come into fellowship with them and get to know them and we draw our conclusions about whether they can be part of our circle of friends not based on what they look like, but based on what they act like and based on how they think. Okay, now, Dr. David Jeremiah said this, You are not what you think you are, but what you think you are. I'm going to say it again because it's a little play on words, but it's powerful. You are not what you think you are, but what you think you are. So if I think on true things, if I think on honest things, If I think on just things and pure things and lovely things and good report looking for empowerment or praise for my fellow man or the Lord and I think on those things, then what I think I am. So that means that I will be just and honest and pure and lovely and I will carry a good report. So it's important for us to think right, isn't it? It's important for us to cast down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Proverbs chapter 23 and verse number 7 teaches us that as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Now, I love this part of the message. When I was putting this together on Friday, I was getting all cranked up in my office and there wasn't anyone here to shout with me. I was just shouting by myself. But we're a people of spiritual power. (laughs) Come on, look at your neighbor and say, True that. (laughs) We're a people of spiritual power. Here we go. Jesus was led of the Spirit into the wilderness. The Bible said to be tempted of the devil. And 40 days later he returned in the... Power of the Spirit. So he's led by the Spirit into the wilderness for the purpose of battling the devil. He conquered the devil in the wilderness for his spiritual ministry, for his ministry here on the earth. And then he returns in the power of the Spirit and we find him going in probably the same synagogue that he had preached in almost all of his life. Or not preached, but read in almost all of his life, standing up and reading this scripture. He says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Because He's anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. And so we see Jesus reading out of the book of Isaiah like He probably had many, many times during His life But the Bible says something right after he got through with this. The Bible said that he put the book down and went and sat down. And the Bible said that all of the people's eyes in that synagogue were upon him. What was the difference? The difference was the power. The power. That's what the difference was. Jesus had read that scripture over and over and over and over and over. But until He fought the devil and conquered the devil and returned in the power of the Spirit, then, then nothing really happened. But when He came and, and sat down and, and He read that same passage of Scripture in the power of the Spirit, when He read it, then all of a sudden there was something in the Spirit of man that was, in ca- that was, captured, that, that was captured by Him. What was it? It was the power that he received for ministry. Jesus looked at him and said this day has this scripture been fulfilled in your ears. What scripture? The scripture where God's anointed him to preach the gospel to the poor. He sent him to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, the recovering of sight to the blind, set it at liberty them that are bruised, and to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. There was a power to his words. There was a power to his actions. There was a power to his presentation. And that power came because of the Holy Ghost. Now in John chapter 14, verses 12 through 14, Jesus said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth on me the works that I do shall he do also and greater works than these shall he do because I go unto my Father and whatsoever ye shall ask of my name in my name the Father will give it to you that the Father may be glorified in the Son and if you ask anything in my name I'll do it So what Jesus was saying here in John chapter 4, verses 18 through 19, He said, This Spirit of the Lord is upon me for all of these things. And then in John chapter 14, 12 through 14, He said, The works that I do ye shall do in greater. You know what that tells me? That tells me that God will anoint us to preach the gospel to the poor, that God will send us to heal brokenhearted people, that God will anoint us to preach deliverance to the captives and pray for people who are blind that their eyes would be open, the recovering of sight to the blind, that God will anoint us, us to set at liberty them that are depressed, oppressed, hurt, wounded, mentally and emotionally. That's the bruised. And God will anoint us to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. So we carry inside of us by virtue of our position and identity the anointing that Jesus had on His life when He was walking the face of the earth. Now, Mark chapter 16 and verse number 20 teaches us or shows us that they actually started operating in that power. They went forth and preached everywhere. Who is this? It's the disciples. They went forth and preached everywhere. I love this next phrase. I've preached on it so many times. The Lord working with them. Listen, I can go out here and I can open up the Scriptures and I can preach and I can teach... And I can all kinds... I mean, I can just try to do... But there's something about the Lord working with you. There's something about it that makes it more powerful. There's something about it that makes it more anointing, anointed. And I want to tell you today that if, if you have a heart to live for God as a Christian, you don't have to be a preacher. You don't have to be an evangelist, a pastor. You don't have to do that. God will work with you every single day of your life. If you let Him work every single day of your life. How many of you would like to have the blessing on your business? What about on your family? What about in your community? What about in the place you shop or gas up your car? I, I would like to have the blessing. of I just want to live in the blessing, don't you? You know what I like to call it? I like to call it the fog. How many knows what the fog is? Favor of God. I'm just living in the fog. The world doesn't understand it. My enemies hate it. They can't stand it. I'm just living in the fog. That's why I get good parking spots. That's why I go pay for stuff at the store and it ends up ringing up cheaper because all of a sudden it went on it. Just living in the fog. Just living in the fog. Hallelujah. Lord, I thank you that I get to live in the fog. Why? Because the Lord's working with me. And then the Bible said confirming the word with signs following. Let me say this to you very clearly. If you have the audacity to venture forth in faith, God will meet you every single time. Every single time. I could share so, so many examples of that. Um, wow, where should... I, I don't know. I could just share so many examples. Of that I, I'm just not... I don't have time. Romans 15, 19. Look at this. Through mighty signs and wonders. Look at this passage. Look at this. By the power of the Spirit of God so that from Jerusalem and round about unto Illyricum I have fully preached the gospel of Christ through mighty signs and wonders. How did the signs and wonders come? By the power of the Spirit of God. We are people of spiritual power. So let's focus on the good. Instead of focusing on sickness let's focus on the fact that we are connected to Jehovah Rapha the healer. Woo, hallelujah. So the doctor comes in and he says, well, you've got this kind of disease and you're going to have it for the rest of your life. You're like, wow, the ingredients for a miracle. I'm going to see the power of God move. I'm going to get to experience a miracle. I'm going to have a front row seat to the miraculous. There are different times throughout our life and our ministry that different people in leadership have tried to woo us over into the political side of of ministry, denominationalism, organizations, and things like that. In fact, as a young man, I was asked, I was probably 24, 25 years old, one of my overseers asked me, says, uh, do, do you want to be the evangelism, uh, state evangelist of... Well, it was Kentucky. Would you like to, we want you to be our state evangelist. And I said, I can't be the state evangelist of Kentucky. I said, I just can't do it. He said, well, how come? I said, well, first of all, I could only travel 18 days out of the state of Kentucky and right now I'm booked in 31 states and two foreign countries next year. There's no way I can fit all of that into 18 days. He said, well, don't you want to get in the system? He said, don't you, because you could get in the system, you could be the state evangelist for a year or two, then we could send you out as a youth director and you could work your way up and you could eventually be a state overseer and you I'll just kind of work your way up just like a lot of us do. You know, everybody's got to travel the same road. And I looked at him, I said, just leave me in the local church because the local church is the Marines. It's the front lines to the move of God. I want to be there when people get their miracle. I don't want to be writing about it. I don't want to be editorially. I don't want to be doing Doing the, I want to be there, being the one laying hands on them and seeing God go wham and them get healed. <laughs> Hallelujah. Mighty signs and wonders by the power of the Spirit of God so that from Jerusalem and round about I fully preached the gospel of Christ. One of my favorite passages of Scripture, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 1 through 5 says this, and I, brethren, when I came to you, came not with excellency of speech or of wisdom, declaring unto you the testimony of God. That's, that's me, you know. I don't exactly have excellent speech. People put up with it because they know I've tried and tried. I've had so many people tell me, you say, you say is when you should have said are. Or you say, you know, was when you should have said were. done and did, Dr. John, thank you so much for that. (laughs) Say done when you should have said did, all of these kind of things. Let me tell you something. I wasn't real good with English in school. I did great in history and I did great in science and I did great in civics and government, but I hated English. I didn't like literature. How many ever took lit and comp? Literature and comprehension. I didn't care for that. It's the anointing that has to come upon me to be able to even comprehend the Word of God. So sometimes I do say done when I should have said did or was when I should have said were or is when I should have said are. And, you know, but but you all know what I'm saying, right? You know. And sometimes I say y'all and sometimes I say yun's and sometimes I say uh-huh and sometimes I say ain't. But well, let me tell you something. When I was growing up, people said ain't ain't a word. But let me tell you something. Ain't, teacher said ain't ain't a word, but ain't is a word. It is a word. It didn't used to be a word. We used to go around saying, ain't ain't a word because the teacher said it ain't. (laughs) And I, brother, when I came to you... So I can relate to this scripture. I, brother, when I came to you, came not with excellency of speech... Or of wisdom, sometimes I need God's wisdom, don't you? If any of you lack wisdom, James, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all men liberally and upbraideth not. That means He won't bind it back from you. He'll give it to you and, and, and give it to all men who upbraideth not and it shall be given Him. So we can ask God for wisdom. He'll give us wisdom. So when I came to you, came not with excellency of speech or of wisdom, declaring unto you the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Now, why would the Apostle Paul feel the need to share this to the Corinthian church? First of all, the Corinthian church was a mess. The Corinthian church was full of all kinds of drama. The Corinthian church was full of fornication and adultery. The Corinthian church was full of people fighting and warring with one another and all of this. The Apostle Paul was known as an educated man. He said in his own words, I'm a Hebrew of the Hebrews, I'm a Pharisee of the Pharisees, I rose above my equals. And I mean, he could have wallpapered his office with his degrees. He comes to them and he says, Look, I'm not even coming to you using what I learned as far as excellency of speech or of wisdom. I'm relying totally upon the Lord, for I'm determined not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Listen very closely. He had spent his entire life studying the law and all it took was one encounter with Jesus on the road to Damascus where he found what satisfied. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So then we go on. I was with you in weaknesses and in fear and in much trembling and my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but it was in the demonstration of the Spirit and of power. He focused more on the end result. He focused more on people getting what they needed from the Lord. He focused more on those things. And then he said, that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. What he was saying in encapsulated form was, I have the education, I have the knowledge, I know how to stand here and defend the gospel with great oratory skills. But I would rather just let God move. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I would rather just let God move. Sometimes I get to that point. Sometimes I'm just in my office. I mean, I was telling Donna this morning, I think it was this morning or last night, I said, I just want God to move in that service this morning. I I just want Him to come in and I want Him to jack us up from the floor up. I mean, I I do. I want God to just, I don't care. I I can say is where I should have said are. I can say did where I should have said done. Uh, You know, all of the, uh, those kinds of things really don't, what matters is there are people here that need a touch from God. What matters is there are people here whose lives have been broken, whose lives need to be put back together. So our faith does not stand in the wisdom of men, but it stands in the power of God. And our speech and preaching is not with enticing words of man's wisdom or great oratory, but it's in the demonstration of the Spirit and of power. The negative will always be there lurking, trying to dominate. We're talking about keeping the right spirit. We're talking about keeping the right attitude. Focusing on spiritual power. The negative will always be there lurking, trying to dominate. When this happens, address it with the word. Address it with the word. Now, the last thing I want to talk to you about today is the power of a seed. When you walked in today, you should have received, most of you anyway, a watermelon seed. Have you got your watermelon seed? If you got it, hold it up, will you? All right, just hold up that seed. All right. I want you to look at that. Just look at that little tiny seed. Look at that seed. Did you know that you are holding in your hand something that dates back to the Garden of Eden? Think about it. You are holding in your hand something that dates back to the Garden of Eden. Now look at your hand. Put the seed in your hand and look at it. Your hand dates back to the Garden of Eden. The hand that holds the seed dates back to the Garden of Eden. Why is this relevant, Pastor? Because I want you to understand that perpetuity is in this seed. That means perpetual things. Perpetual DNA is in this seed. Somehow, some way, this seed survived. The DNA in this seed survived thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of years and somehow made it to the platform at Lakewood Church of God in Hudson, Florida, July the 17th, 2016. The DNA... From the Garden of Eden, made it to the platform. Lakewood Church of God, July 17th, 2017. Now, <laughs> 16. Just finding out if you're listening. Teasing. I'm teasing. <laughs> now. When you look at this seed, do you see this? In fact, if no one had ever eaten a watermelon and someone put this seed in their hand and told them to go plant it, they would wonder, what's it going to grow? Now I'm going somewhere. Think about this. okay? Sometimes... What you have in your hand does not look like what it will produce. Oh, there's the anointing. Sometimes what we carry inside of us does not look like what it's going to produce. Well, I don't understand why... My mama told me to do that. That doesn't make any sense at all. It's because your mama has lived about 20 years longer than you and she knows what the outcome is going to be. That's why the Bible said that the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord and he delights in his way because God knows our end from our beginning. God knew that July the 17th, 2016 that the seed that I hold in my hand would end up in a sermon illustration on top of a watermelon on the stage of Lakewood Church of God. So God allowed the DNA of that seed to survive the test of time. Woo! Here we go, here we go, here we go, here we go, here we go. Here we go. You ready? You're no mistake. You are no mistake. You are seed and womb, seed and womb, seed and womb, seed and womb, seed and, uh, Birth, 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 birth. All through the years, all through the generations, through thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of years, all of a sudden here you are. The DNA that's in your body was not a mistake. God picked who your parents were going to be. God picked who your grandparents were going to be. God picked who your uncles and aunts would be. God, You say, well, my daddy told me that I was just a mistake. No such thing. No such thing. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Jeremiah chapter 1 and ordained you, knew and ordained before formation. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you and ordained you to be a prophet unto the nations. God spoke that to Jeremiah. What are you saying, Pastor? I'm trying to tell you that before you were ever formed in the womb, God knew you. He already had a pre-described plan for your life. And you may not always understand why you're going through what you're going through because what you're going through doesn't look like where you're headed. But if you'll just let God design you, if you'll let God guide you, if you'll let God direct you, if if you'll let Him take you... Here we go. Here's the crux of it. If you'll let Him take you and plant you where He wants you. I'm going to preach to the little preachers for just a moment, all right? Listen to me, listen to me. The problem with a lot of pastors is they never marry the church. They always just date it. They come in because it's a stepping stone to the next place. If ever there could have been a church that was going to be a stepping stone to the next place, Lakewood would have been it. Just get in the system in Florida. Just go ahead and get in the system in Florida. We could just move you up from there. No, 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 no. The planting of the Lord. The planting of the Lord. So what you do is you say, Okay, God, I'm going to let you take the whole sum of who I am. And I'm not going to let the purity of this seed be contaminated through grafting. So in other words, I'm not going to just have one foot in here just waiting for the next door to open. Come on. Some of you are waiting for God to move you to that that next promotion. What if you make the area where, where you're working so desirable that it becomes the one that people are wanting to be promoted to? The blessing of the Lord, the favor of God. Here's the truth. You can't mix doubt and faith and still expect your miracle. Grafting doesn't work. It contaminates the seed. You can cross this seed with cantaloupe. What are you going to get? What's it called? <laughs> Somebody said a wattle Here's my question. How long will it take it to turn back into a watermelon. How many generations will it take for it to turn back into a watermelon? It can't. It's next to impossible. It's next to impossible. That's why it's so important to focus on the good. Oil and water don't mix. Negativity and positivity don't mix. Teach your kids to focus on good things. Teach our kids to focus on. <laughs> That's Pastor Josh. I swallowed this. Scent. I know because it don't have no hair. Here's what I want you to hear. It matters what we believe because what we believe is what we will pass on to our future generations. So we need to focus on the good so somebody say God is a good God come on God is a good God. say think on, good think on good things tell your neighbor say you are a person of spiritual power, you are a person of spiritual power. and there's power in, the seed. There's power in the seed. a seed every thought that you have is a seed every word that you speak is a seed every action that you take is a seed and how many of you know that we harvest our seeds, the results of our seeds? Okay, has this teaching helped you today? Yes. Let's stand. Come on. There's one more thing that I want to share with you about this watermelon. All you see is this watermelon. It's like a baby. It's going be, I'm, I wonder if that's what my grandbaby will feel like. More like a football. All you see is this watermelon, right? One watermelon. What you don't see is the thousands of watermelons it took to get this one here. It matters who you let speak into your life. I just don't want to pass over this point. I was going to shut her down but I just and just keep going. But I don't want to pass over this point. You are the sum total of those who have poured into you. And it matters who you let speak into your life. So make sure that the seeds or the people that are speaking into your life have the right intentions and have the love of God and is pure. All right? So... This is what you see, but what you don't see is what it took to get it here. Thank you for joining us today on Working the Word. For more information, go to our website at www.suncoast4, and that's the number 4, jesus.tv. You may also write us at 12637 Pony Lane, Hudson, Florida, 34669. Or you may call us at 727 Our office hours are Monday through Wednesday 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. and Thursdays 9 a.m. to 2 p.m. Remember the word will work if you work the word.